everybody and welcome to the Ocean Riders podcast. Conversations with creatives, entrepreneurs, thinkers and dreamers who also happen to be surfers. My name's Imi and I am your host. So how are you doing? How's lockdown treating you? Have you managed to get back in the water? I'm really stoked about being behind the mic again and joining you for another thought-provoking conversation. I can't thank you enough for tuning into these conversations every two weeks. Your feedback is priceless and it's what's keeping me going in my passion project. In fact, I can't believe it's episode 50. It seems like a couple of months ago that I actually started this podcast, but it's been almost 18 months now. I can't believe it. Anyway, I really hope I'm delivering up to your expectations. And if you do have any suggestions, just send them in. You can reach out to me at hello at theoceanriderspodcast.com or you can get a hold of me on my socials at the Ocean Riders Podcast on Instagram, at Imi Podcast on Twitter and at the Ocean Riders Podcast on Facebook. By the way, you don't have to write this down as it's all in the show notes on your phone. I'm often a bit reluctant to self-promote my podcast in these intros, but I read a quote today saying, ask and you shall receive. So here I go. If you like this podcast, you can support it in a number of ways. First of all, subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. All you have to do is hit the subscribe button and my next episodes will download automatically onto your app. Secondly, you can follow me on social media check the links out in the show notes and last but not least you can support my podcast by purchasing some merch head over to theoceanridersshop.com where you'll find a lovely selection of slow fashion t-shirts for surfers and surfers they're all made to order so they do take a while to get delivered but they're well worth the wait and so soft and comfy that you'll regret not ordering a heapful on my shop you can also find a selection of greeting cards and wall art so be sure to have a look not only will the profits from my merch sales help me cover my hosting and editing fees but one percent of the sales will be put aside to support ngos as i'm a member of one percent for the planet now that the self-promotion is out of the way i can focus on my guest Today, I got to sit down for a conversation with Julia Colangelo. Julia is a surfer from New York, and she's also a professor at Columbia University. She's a therapist and a consultant for people and organizations wishing to tap into flow states for better relationships and generally appreciating life more. In this episode, we get to know Julia a bit better and find out what it is to be in the flow and how to get into that flow state on demand. As surfers, we could often actually get into flow state naturally when we're in the ocean and riding that perfect wave. But in fact, this is one of our privileges. But what if we could replicate this feeling out of the water? As part of her dissertation, Julia modelised these concepts and shares her tips to live a more mindful life and tap into the flow state more often and avoid burnout. In stressful times like now, Julia delivers just the sort of things we need to hear. So I'll let Julia do the talking. So without further ado, please welcome Julia Colangelo. Hey, Julia, it's so nice to see you and welcome to the Ocean Riders podcast. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much. <laughs> so, Julia, we've been running around after each other for a while and I just wondered where you are right now. Yes, so I am based in Maui right now in Hawaii. That's so lucky. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I'm grateful every day. Wow, wow. But you usually sort of you usually work from where? I'm usually based in New York City and what's interesting is almost three months ago at this 
Suite. I came here for a work event and connecting with some other ocean women and ocean lovers. And it just sort of evolved into saying. And then of course, what happened in the world happened. And we've been we've been living here short term and now rather long term. So very happily, very gratefully and safely. Wow, this is extraordinary. You're kind of stranded on Maui, but it couldn't be a worse place to stay, be stranded, I guess. I couldn't agree more. (laughs) So I guess for the listeners, do you think you could introduce yourself and tell us in what way you consider yourself as an ocean rider? Of course, I'd be happy to. So I've been a therapist for about 10 years. I have a a small private practice online now. And what's been interesting is I sort of have always been an ocean lover, an ocean rider, but there has always been sort of a hesitation from my end to take the risk into surfing or sort of more adventurous water sports. And so through my work in research and as an educator of flow and mindfulness, I've sort of stretch my own capacity. And I'm a big supporter of learning to surf later in life if you are interested or curious about it. And that's the path I chose. And so while I've always been a swimmer and a water lover, there's something that sort of changed in my 20s where I took that risk and I said, you know, it's not too late. Let me stretch my capacity. And in doing so, I've you know, now been surfing, I think around 10 years and challenging myself in the water. And I I really connect with sort of the themes of mindfulness and flow and how they overlap with being a surfer, being someone who's a forever beginner, who's always sort of taking a new risk and challenge. And it's just been this this new chapter in life that I'm grateful to have. And I'm, I'm just always, always sharing about that because I think there's myth around needing to learn certain challenging activities earlier in life. And for me, it's really about there's never a right time. There's never a wrong time. And taking that risk, if it's of interest, or if it's something that just sort of is pulling at your heartstrings, which for me, it had been. And my dad was a surfer and he jokes that he would invite me, but I would be making, you know, friendship bracelets on the beach or be swimming or boogie boarding, but that I wasn't, there was this sort of nervousness and, you know, about trying it, it seemed intimidating. And so I'm sort of grateful I leaned in and now I consider myself, I tend to be a longboarder. So grateful to forever learn about the ocean in that way. <laughs> That's wonderful. So did you grow up by the beach? I grew up about 45 minutes away, and I grew up in New Jersey, and uh, what's typical in New Jersey in the States is sort of going to the Jersey Shore, surfing, you know, swimming, just spending time, you know, a day at the beach, very typically, you know, a picnic, playing, just being connected to, you know, the local beaches, and that's something I so enjoyed and still enjoy now. And I think what's magical is just being close enough to kind of go on a whim down to the ocean and visit it. And I grew up a lot also going in the wintertime, walking on the beach, looking for sea glass. Still one of my favorite activities, just as much as surfing, is to just connect with different elements of the ocean. 
in the water or just observing and connecting with the water from afar that's lovely and you I guess you're saying that the fact that you actually took that risk really kind of empowered you do you feel that that was the case it really did and it was it was scary right the way our brains work is that older we get right we become more rigid often in our ways of thinking and different patterns that we experience and embody and I think for me, taking a risk, right? Whenever we kind of drop a pebble and create a new ripple in our brains, in our lives, in our bodies, there's this excitement and surge of excitement and empowerment, to use your word. And oftentimes, and most of the time, it pays off for the positive, right? And we can experience then this sort of surge of excitement. We tend to see things a bit differently and we then, you know, on a deeper level, and this happens for me, certainly, is we really connect with our values in a deeper way. And we have that feeling of, wow, I'm living in purpose. This is my direction. I'm moving with momentum. And that's what happened. And it happened, I'll tell you, I mean, it happened the first time I surfed, you know, it just happened and I wasn't good. And I always say you learn just as much from a wipeout from catching that great wave. And there's no wrong way to surf if you're having fun and if you're smiling and connecting again, sort of with who you are in whatever that is. Yeah, yeah, that's lovely. And so how did you learn to surf? Was it your dad that taught you or did you take courses? So I took a lesson right here about about four blocks from where I'm staying right now. Yes. And, you know, looking back, there was a moment I hopped on a surfboard and I caught a wave on Easter Island was actually the first time I ever laid on a surfboard. Um, I was 18. I was spent a year abroad in Chile and had a trip to Easter Island. There were surfers. They lent us their boards. I caught a wave. I stood up. I fell right away. And I said, I want more of this, but maybe it's not for me. Maybe this was just like, and so it was a couple of years later, maybe four or five years later and came here. I said, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to humble myself in my twenties to take a lesson, you know, have a private lesson. And the instructors are people that I'm friendly with now here that are in the area. And it was part of that, you know, humbling myself to say, I'm a, I'm a learner. I'm totally new. And it paid off, you know, so I, I think that just having that, those different elements of encouragement of saying, again, you know, here's, here's what you can try. You can also try it your way. And that rippled, you know, I took two lessons from two different instructors over the course of two days and I was hooked, right? <laughs> I didn't stop. I didn't stop after that. Of course, in New Jersey and in New York, surfing requires a very thick wetsuit and a lot of preparation and driving and sort of, you know, it's not as easy as just hopping in the water on a whim, which is what we're able to do here. And so there are different elements. And so certainly back on the East Coast, I surf less frequently, but it's sort of more intense when I go. Yeah. And here it's, every day, but perhaps for three or four waves and then switch out with my partner. And then, you know, we're, we're taking turns with the, with our daughter on the beach. So that's wonderful. And so, um, sorry to sort of kind of go back to your job as a therapist. Yes. So how did actually that becoming a therapist become a motivation for you? Yes. So I've certainly in growing up, I had exposure to different individuals in so many different professions that 
I always just had this idea to sort of serve others. And I joke that I I knew at a very young age that I wanted to be a therapist because I had this vision of therapists as just people and social workers and as giving and being just a presence. And so I knew quite at a quite young age at five that I wanted to be in this in this role. And I ended up, you know, going right after my gap year, you know, right into college to become a therapist, right into a master's program. And just recently, very recently, I completed my doctorate. And so I've been in this profession for over 10 years, but I've I've really felt connected to sort of my professional purpose for my lifetime, it feels like. And what's what's interesting is that each layer, right, uh, you know, similar to therapy, another layer of the onion is peeled back and shows more of me, which is sort of where I'm at, I'm at in my profession right now as a small business owner and as a solopreneur. And what's began as sort of a, you know, a typical social worker and therapist uh, working with individuals has now evolved into working as a management consultant with different companies, with different entrepreneurs and founders and different, you know, on different macro and uh, meso levels where, you know, in the work that I do that really primarily is based in mindfulness and flow and integrating these elements that have been in some ways reserved for elite athletes or individuals with certain privileges or access. I've been, you know, in my research and in my work trying to adapt to people just to create positive impact. And if we're able to as sort of humans who make mistakes, right, access these skills, we're able to then evolve and again, create these ripples for positive change. So where it's sort of intersected with surfing for me is creating, right, a cleaner and a healthier nation world, doing those small micro actions, creating similar to this connection, right, with you, it's like creating a connection, even virtually or over a podcast can create a positive flow in just what people are hearing, how people are connecting with their purpose. And it's similar to, you know, meeting a nice person in the water when we're surfing. It doesn't happen maybe all the time, but when it happens, we want to hold on to it. And so I like to think of the work that I do now is more on the education level. I do this consulting, I do some coaching, really trying to make these these tools accessible and to, again, create positive ripples and positive impact so that we all have that deeper sense of alignment and we're not always sort of yearning, yearning, yearning for something that might not actually be what we want or what we're needing in our lives. Right, right. And so there's some sort of key words that you've said here, but I'm trying to sort of figure out and maybe the, the, maybe we can explain to the listeners what exactly flow is. Yes. So I love discussing flow because there's no, similar to surfing, there's no right or wrong definition. The term was coined by Mihai Csikszentmihalyi is the psychologist who has been researching flow for over 50 years. And so he coined the term flow and it's ideally this optimal level of performance where you're really integrating your skill level and requiring a certain amount of time as well as a level of difficulty. And this is where 
you know, we compare it to sort of the goal, you know, having a goal and then we achieve it or something on a list we want to, you know, do learning to surf, we check it off. Flow is different because we're constantly up-leveling and challenging and stretching our own capacity. And so while that's the formal definition, there are many sort of more relatable definitions of this experience of momentum, experiencing emerging of action and awareness, a sense of alignment in our purpose, right? This sense of instead of a flow state, which certainly we might experience that rush when we're surfing, when we're achieving, you know, something momentous in our professional or personal identities, flow can be this experience where things just line up in synchronicity and they start to make sense. Even just this connection here, right, where we start to make this connection and then something bigger and beautiful, right, can evolve from this. And so, Really, I always encourage people to adapt the term flow to their own lives and how they how they feel it fits in, knowing that it doesn't have to be this isolated state that we're stretching to, but it can be many of those states similar to waves, sort of, you know, it doesn't have to be a tsunami. We can yearn and, and really aspire to these easier waves that are gentler, that are equally momentous in the long run, but might take a little bit longer, might take a certain intentionality around our daily actions, around being kind, around compassion to ourselves, to others, and taking those actions, sort of just moving the needle bit by bit. And that can be equally transformative in the long run especially if we're being able to be reflective that our mindfulness comes in and, and be aware of saying, oh yes, this is the direction I want to move towards my goals and move in my life, in my purpose, in my relationships and in my business. Wow. And so how would you say, because there's a lot of information there and I'm trying to sort of figure it all out, but you're saying there's synchronicity. So how could flow potentially provoke synchronicity? So the really interesting aspect sort of from a physics standpoint of flow is that when we experience flow in any instance for surfing in a professional experience we have these those sort of micro flow experiences where we're saying you know in a conversation wow this is heading in the right direction i'm feeling some energy you're feeling some energy or when we catch that beautiful wave and we're like oh my gosh everything in life makes sense even just for that fleeting moment so when we have one of those experiences it will naturally lead to more of those experiences it comes down to us being aware of our choices and the opportunities to see experience more flow. For example, we can take the time here. I came here for a vacation and for a few different work opportunities and saw the opportunity to say yes for the very short term to staying, right? Sort of this synchronicity of, well, we're here. We have a, we have a suitcase. Uh, we have enough to get by. We have access to different resources. And then the synchronicity was saying, you know, let me say yes to this opportunity in front of me instead of what a lot of us do and sort of what we see outside of our experiences of flow is maybe avoidance, fear, heightened anxiety, or the alternative is sort of staying outside of the flow state, which is you know, boredom, apathy, 
being too, again, fearful to make a change or say yes to a new opportunity. And so saying yes to those micro experiences more often leads to this sort of it's defined as unified flow, or some people refer to it as flow consciousness, where these different experiences combine and there's this greater sense of living in flow on a daily basis. Again, things make sense more often. And the domino effect of that is that we experience more flow. We have this sense of alignment in all that we're doing. And that, that's sort of you know, to come back to where a career can be or where a personal experience could be, we, you know, things just line up and it takes action. It takes consistency. It takes making mistakes, falling short, having those oh no moments and then right resetting. It's what happens in those oh no moments and oops, is that we come back and instead of saying, well, I'm going to watch TV for a week, it's saying, you know, I'll be intentional about this recovery, about this reset, about understanding what happened, what may have gone, you know, not the way that I desired. Maybe doing something like a mindfulness practice, sitting with the pain, sitting with the frustration. We're hearing that a lot with how people are relating to stress and understanding that if we're intentional about how we recover and how we avoid kind of falling down a rabbit hole that will take that much longer to experience even a, a bit of a microflow experience, then we'll be actually setting ourselves up to have a new opportunity presented to us and having our mindset in a positive, you know, just set up in a positive way to accept goodness that mm. might come. And sometimes flow experiences are not, right? They're not all rainbows and butterflies. They are meant to stretch us. They're meant to be those difficult conversations that evolve into maybe the conversation that will change our entire life's path. Maybe the surf experience that will lead us to become someone who surfs on a regular basis or a parent or meet the person we're supposed to meet for a personal or professional connection that might last a lifetime. Wow, that's really interesting, actually. I I, I always imagined flow to be like being super focused for work and like sort of starting a project and then looking at your watch and like three hours have gone by and and you just haven't noticed it go by. But I didn't realise that you could actually, that, that flow also occurred in personal relations and with other people. That's really interesting. And that's the great thing is that there's no one definition and it evolves depending on where we're at in the moment in the day and certainly those micro flow experiences where we sort of are focused lose track of time and space and are super productive that's what a lot of us yearn for and experience the great thing about that is when we have access to that we have the ability to experience it more and it impacts our lives and ideally right the environment in a positive way both around us and our relationships in a meaningful way that we'd like it. And when we think about flow, we like to think of that channel. So when we think of sort of a staircase and there's not just that one way to access flow, there are many things that will lead to flow. Maybe meditation leads to experience flow and then we're in that focused zone. And then afterwards, instead of again, doing something that takes us out of that, in such an extreme opposite way, we're able to sit with it, marinate in that energy and be kinder to people. 
be more innovative in our thinking in the long term because we were able to give ourselves that experience of flow in the morning or before the kids woke up or before a very intense or intimidating meeting at work. And that that is what I care about because that leads us to be kinder, more patient with each other, care about the environment, see that trash on the beach, pick it up instead of saying, you know, I'm in a rush. And those small actions, that's what matters in the world. That's what leads us to have meaningful relationships, to connect. And I think we're living in a world of a lot of disconnection in general. And these micro experiences, yes, lead us to be at our optimal level of experience, surf outstanding huge waves that we can't even fathom. (laughs) We surf, not in my case, but (laughs) for the professionals. And just experiencing things on this deeper, more profound level. That's really amazing. And I guess, how would you, do you use special techniques to actually achieve flow? I mean, is it a personal thing or is it something that you can generalize? Did you study that in your, in your doctorate? Yes, I did. So I studied specifically mindfulness flow as a way to increase happiness and creative thinking and innovation, specifically for those experiencing or who have experienced burnout or compassion fatigue in uh, helping professions. And why I cared about this specifically, when you're doing research, you have to very much narrow the focus. And then again, it can be adapted into many settings is because I found that those doing the very critical work of helping those that are most vulnerable, experiencing stress, systemic oppression, who have experienced racism, sexism, experience so much are often not the ones that are able to sort of experience these these levels of flow or creative thinking. Because when we think of the hierarchy of needs, people tend to be, they're experiencing stress again and again, uh, based on their identities, based on their experience, they're stuck in the basic needs. They can't even achieve their basic needs, their physiological needs. So they can't experience innovative thinking. And that applies both to individuals as well as helping professionals who support those individuals mm-hmm. who are stripped very thin often. We see this right now with med- you know, medics and nurses and social workers on the front lines who are not able to rest or breathe. So then it's difficult to think innovatively of finding different cures, different solutions in, you know, to really solve critical world problems. And so that was my research base. And what I was able to create was a practice manual to make, like you said, sort of general suggestions. I created 14 different practice strategies. I would say that it is personal, which is so awesome. We can adapt any script any practice to ourselves. Some of the suggestions I always encourage are really starting with where you're at and assessing your own values. And this might sound, you know, like something we might already know about ourselves, but really making this an intentional action to assess our values, because sometimes our values are telling us to be creative, to think innovatively on a global scale. But other times it might be we think of acts of service as and picking up trash or that we really want to spend more time with our family and understanding sort of doing an affinity mapping of our own values can be really helpful in making sure that we create our flow experiences to align with who we are 
and what we care about. The next is really setting up structure and routine and also making sure that you schedule in pockets of non-routine and non-structure to really expand how you're thinking, how you're feeling, how you're thinking about the world. And so this might mean that you know every day if you wake up at 5 a.m. and you have a certain schedule, then you are able to stretch your capacity, you're able to think through that, solve some problems, you know, be really productive from 5 a.m. to 7 a.m. before the kids wake up. But then maybe on a Sunday, you really reset in a creative way. Maybe that means a different meditation. Maybe that means eating a different food. Right now, I'm very into kind of activating my senses, my sense of taste in a different way by sort of, you know, trying out different foods and different flavors that I might not might not normally. And that creates some different flow experiences for me in a sense perspective. And then it ripples into the work. Wow. I also always encourage people to think about how you know they can optimize what works for them. And the thing about creating more flow experiences is we repeat what's worked in the past. So we sort of link back, even when we think of surfing, right? We think of how, how did we catch that perfect wave? How did we you know, what did we do? And often people are like, it was luck, it was conditions, you know, but we really want to think about, you know, did you wake up at a certain time? What did you actually consume that day, the night before? What did you do the, the night before that led to that profound sleep or led to that brief sleep that was very focused and allowed you to connect with the ocean, connect with who you are in the water and allowed you to sort of release any stress or tension you had and just move with the water in the way that you were meant to. Wow. Yeah, that figures out. That's really, that's really interesting, actually. And to actually sort of trace back your actions before you got to that flow state is really, really good advice, because I guess that sort of changes the whole perspective. And it makes us our own researchers, which is cool, right? So, <laughs> For me, it, it means noticing those small, similar to, you know, how we have these profound transformations in our lives. It's not usually the people closest to us. It's often these loose connections, these loose ties we interact with. It's same with experiencing more flow or experiencing this momentous connection with the water. It's these little moments that, you know, what were we doing, right? If we enter the water and we have a really awesome conversation for a moment, or before I had children, I would guarantee myself, you know, promise myself to stroke the water and connect with the ocean, thank the ocean, pray, meditate for 30 minutes before I even went for a wave. I don't have that privilege right now, (laughs) but I do that for a moment. I do that before entering the water, watching, connecting with the ocean and with gratitude, uh, being kind to people, always giving people the benefit of the doubt in the water. Mm. If there's, you know, some tension or if there's some hustle and that generates an ability for me to connect. And usually that leads to better waves, better energy around me in the water. And again, I surf better. I'm less self-conscious and something about flow is when we experience more flow, our inner critic slips away. We're not worried about, you know, oh, are people thinking that I'm not the best surfer or that, you know, this board I have isn't as nice as theirs, right? We're not worrying about any of that. We're thrust into the present moment. We're connecting with our true essence and 
again, the ripple from that is we're kinder. We're able to share the stoke with the people around us. Like yesterday in the water, I kind of like raised my arms up in the water after an awesome wave and two people around me, they were like, yeah. And it was, and I just reflected, I said, why don't we share that stoke more? Why do we catch that beautiful wave and pretend like, yeah, that was no big deal. On to the next. Why don't we just like celebrate that? And we're like, yes. Like if we catch one wave and that's a lesson my dad always taught me about from, you know, because sometimes I'll say, you know, I only caught a few waves and he's like, you know, back in the day, you know, there weren't way, you know, you couldn't predict what the conditions would be. You'd be lucky to get one wave. And so I, that's changed over that. He shared that when I started out and over the last five years specifically, as I've did, you know, dove deep into my research, even more so, I've just been able to prioritize that. And even some days, you know, let's be honest, we paddle out and there are no waves, but connecting with the water is enough to create some and generate some flow. Again, not in this heightened optimal state, but this sense of unified flow, we're connecting with our values. And so if you're someone who can't, you know, catch a wave every day, uh, most of the time, just connecting with the water can generate flow, can generate more positivity, and ideally write more kindness and compassion inward, self-compassion, as well as outward to our communities and to those around us. Yeah, that's lovely, actually. And and, and it's true. It's definitely true for me because I surf in the Mediterranean, so there aren't waves every oh, day. Oh, yes. <laughs> so, so, yeah, it's it's like you have to, when you get in the water, it's, you know, you're never sure if you're going to get any waves anyway kind of thing. But um, that's really, that's really, really interesting. And what have you, have been your client's biggest preoccupations, for example, in this really special moment in time during the COVID-19 outbreak? Have you been able to help them in any way to actually relieve their stress and, and, and things like that? Yes. So I think that the biggest, there are a few big myths. And one of them is that we have to sort of use this time to write a book or be super, super productive. And a lot of people think, and a lot of people that, right, I don't blame you. I want to do that too. And a lot of us are moving the needle, but I just want to remind us of like the human experience. There is no, again, kind of like we started this conversation, there's no right or wrong way to, or timeline for anything. And the thing about flow is there's never crossing something off a list. It's always stretching our capacity and that's on a small level or on a global scale. And so during this stressful time and, you know, my training as a therapist is from a stress reduction, you know, shorter term brief approach integrating cognitive behavioral therapy, as well as relational therapy. And so I think we really want to zero in on how we can just make the present moment as bearable as possible. And while, and from my training, from the work that I do and my philosophy, I'm certainly one to encourage optimizing time for creativity, for innovation, for productivity. But at the same time, for a lot of us, this is a time to rest to connect with ourselves. And that doesn't always look like writing a book. That means being kind to ourselves and consuming different food, connecting with the people around us, or if we're in isolation and not with anyone, connecting with what it feels like to try to stretch our capacity by being social online, which is very uncomfortable for many of us, and understanding our boundaries in a different way. When we're adapting, you know, depending on when people are listening to this, there will be a new sense of our schedules, of normal, and 
we want to think about who we want to be in that moment versus who we were before. Mm -hmm. And that's where, again, the unified flow, the flow consciousness, where flow can trickle into different areas of our life and our identity really comes in where we're thinking about how can we adapt however we manage stress now into how we how we'll function in the future and for people who are really stressed and overwhelmed right now my tip is similar to experiencing more flow looking back at another stressful time in your life what did you do before during and after that that you can apply to right now and if it was you know sort of isolate and kind of live in a cocoon do that lean on that that's one of your strengths and don't feel like you have to conform to what other people are saying for example, I thrust, like many of us, into sort of doing all of these Zoom meetings very quickly as all of us went into quarantine. And I realized that's not, I don't tend to be someone who socializes every single day. And so why would I suddenly turn that on for myself uh, when that's not part of my personality? Mm -hmm. If I was 10, you know, I tend to be someone who does that once a week, maybe twice a week at most, sometimes twice a month. And so now I've gotten into a flow where I really just I kind of am adapting what I did in, you know, my typical identity into this time where we're all still in stay-at-home order. And then understanding if that works for you and then adapting that thereafter also. Hmm. Yeah, that's really, that's really good advice. Um, I like that. <laughs> I love the fact that you don't have to feel obliged to write a book or sort of to be super 100% everywhere. <laughs> that's really important. And yes, and the self-compassion comes in that... You know, if we're kind to ourselves about not writing the book or not being as productive, what's amazing and what many of us see is that we end up doing certain actions that will lead to that on a different timeline, perhaps, yeah. right? And a lot of my themes for right now for myself and I think for the people that I work with are giving us, you know, ourselves grace and kindness because our timelines are adjusted so profoundly for me, you know, months years off for whether it's adventure, travel, certain milestones, and allowing space to grieve those losses of the good and the bad, as well as understanding that when we give ourselves that grace, there isn't really a timeline, right? Yeah, It's never too late to surf. It's never too late to start that book, to start another project, and that it all will move in intentional time if we're connecting with ourselves and with the values that we have and not trying to conform to someone else's time frame that's really interesting and actually I must be in flow state because I've just realized just looked at the time and it's almost sort of time for you to move on to a new appointment so I guess we'll sort of try to wrap things up but I just wondered if you had any books to advise to the listeners or favorite quotes that would sort of put us on the right track to achieve flow state? Oh, great question. So I always recommend for someone interested in diving deeper into flow state, you know, starting with foundational texts. So flow by Mihai Cheek sent me high creativity by Mihai Cheek sent me high for any innovators. And I think that starting with the foundational tech, just always sort of useful and powerful. There are a lot of great writings online as well. And I'll be releasing a project soon that I, that I'll be happy to share about. Uh, it doesn't have a title yet, but <laughs> I'll keep you posted. And I think just my encouragement when you're reading and learning is to just really try to adapt these practices to you and make them unique 
to you and know that, you know, it's easy to think that we're all going to want to be a pro, you know, athlete. And if that's you, that's amazing and keep at it. But if it's not you, if you're like me and you're a human that makes mistakes, just go with that and know that that's just as powerful and transformative state of flow. And again, a way of living in flow that, you know, as anything else and that there's no competition, there's no finish line in flow or in life in general, there's no specific timeline. We're all moving and we're all doing our best. Wow. That's lovely. That's that's great. And Maybe you could remind your socials and your website so that we can actually connect with you after the podcast. Of course. So you can find me at Dr. Julia Colangelo on Instagram, on all of these different media platforms. My website is Julia Colangelo, DrJuliaColangelo.com and FindFlowToday.com as well. That's more around connecting, coaching, consulting, and Recently, just a few months ago, as part of me stretching my flow channel, I started a podcast called Flow Surfers, where I talk about flow and the intersection of surfing, positive psychology, social justice. And the episodes are very short and provide just sort of practical strategies to finding more flow in and out of the surf. And so this, again, to live with more ease and intentionality in our relationships and businesses. And so you can you can check that out yeah. if, if you want to learn more about flow. We'll we'll put all these links in the show notes of the episode so that people can connect with you later on. Well, Julia, I guess we're almost reaching the end. I just have four questions that I love to ask my guests at the end. Totally intuitive. It's sentences that you finish. So are you up for that? Yes, I love that. (laughs) Okay, so the first sentence is, I love. Life. (laughs) I miss. Family. I wish. That everyone could serve every day. (laughs) And the last one is, I want more positive ripples in the world. Wonderful. That's a lovely way to conclude this interview. And Julia, thank you ever so much for being my guest today. And hope to meet up with you soon to sort of maybe talk about your new projects. What's the next steps for you? Next steps include really intentional time with my family. I have an 18 month old and just being a present parent is something I never thought I could do, you know, I, as, as much as I'm able to, and I'm so grateful for this. So continuing time with family and really stretching my capacity with surfing, you know, I've, I've written and so working on the publication track and just continuing to consult with organizations, companies, and individuals that want to activate their creative thinking and access their genius zone by living in flow and again creating that positive change creating more positive connections in the world it's been such a pleasure being here and i i really hope to meet with you and surf with you yes. when when it's safe and possible <laughs> to do so <laughs> oh that would be an absolute pleasure and take care julia thank you ever so much for being my guest today see you oh thank you so much amy see you <laughs> ciao That was a wonderful conversation. I expect we'll organise a second interview in the near future to dive deeper into this topic. I really hope you enjoyed this part of the episode and I guess to go any further, you can connect with Julia and organise your own flow coaching. You could skip over to her website, it's juliacalangelo.com and book a session. You can also listen to our podcast, Flow Surfers Podcast, and links to it are in the show notes. In fact, you'll find all the socials in the show notes too. So, to read them, just look them up on your phone app or skip over to theoceanriderspodcast.com. 
I forgot to mention in the intro, but you can also help me with my podcast by rating it and reviewing on Apple Podcasts. That helps increase my ranking and helps people find the podcast easier. Anyway, I guess that's a wrap. Thank you, Julia, for being my guest today. And thank you guys for listening. I really appreciate it. Anyway, that said, take care, have fun and enjoy the waves. Ciao.